Welcome to the 904 Together podcast. I'm Tom Patton. No one would dispute that it's a challenging time to be in business. And on this podcast, we're talking with a variety of business owners across the 904 area code about how they're facing the challenges of COVID-19 and how they plan to move forward. We're staying at the beach for this episode, and my guest is Chris Hoffman. Chris is the executive director of the Beaches Museum and a member of the Jacksonville Beach City Council. And Chris, thanks very much for joining me for this episode of the 904 Together podcast. Happy to be here. Let's safely first, in my office. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We are we are safely socially distanced. And one of these days, I'll be able to take this stuff out and do my podcasts on the road, <laughs> which would be a lot of fun. Let's start by talking about the museum a little bit, because every time I come to an event at the museum, you always ask, how many people is this your first time here? And usually at least half the room raises their hands. So tell me a little bit about the museum and what you've got going over there on Beach Boulevard. Sure. Well, our uh, mission is to preserve and share the distinct history and culture of the beaches area. And we do that in several ways. One is the big museum building that is uh, right at 4th and Beach Boulevard. So right as you're kind of getting into Jacksonville Beach um, and the history park, which has five historic buildings and a historic locomotive. So inside the building, we have an exhibit about the history of the beaches area, as well as a temporary exhibit where we have art and or temporary history topics. And then upstairs, we have our archives and collections. So um, that's where we house as much history of the beaches area as we can. And it's available to researchers. Um, We have intern programs, volunteers, all sorts of things. Uh, up there in our archives and collections. And then um, we also have a lot of programming. So we do uh, boardwalk talks, which are our monthly lectures. Those are typically held in our historic chapel down at the other end of our campus. Um, We do chapel concerts. We have, again, the exhibits that I mentioned and all sorts of other things throughout the year, train day, spring in the blooms, all sorts of other things to, to bring the community out. So we are that, uh, the big yellow building with the train that a lot of people just drive by and always wonder what's in there, but we try to do as much as we can to encourage people to come in and nobody regrets it when they do, um, because there, there's always something to learn about beaches history. And we do have a pretty, a pretty interesting history out here along the coast. Yeah, we sure do. I, I always learn something new when I come in. But, you know, when, when we talk about how businesses are coping with COVID-19, and a lot of people don't realize that a nonprofit business is still a business, and you're a nonprofit, but you are a business. So how are you kind of coping with what's going on? I know you're closed and you can't welcome guests. So what are you guys doing? It's really interesting to think back because on uh, March 17th, we put a sign on the door that said we'd be closed from March 17th to March 31st because it was that two weeks. That's what we thought we were going to need to do. And uh, pretty quickly we realized uh, just take that sign down and put uh, until further notice. So um, really quickly when uh, things started to get serious with COVID-19, we um we realized even even before we were were basically told to close, we have a, a huge amount of volunteers that do um, the work of the museum, and most of those tend to be in in a high risk age group. So we were already 
um, getting concerned about the exposure of our volunteers. Uh, we do have a small staff. We have three full-time and two part-time staff. So um, there it wasn't a lot of people to worry about, but we really wanted to make sure that everyone um, felt safe and were comfortable. So um, we, when we did close, obviously we closed the operation of the museum. However, we did not close the operation of the organization. And I, if, if I've learned anything through all of this, it's how much more than a museum we really are. Um, and I'll talk about some of the things that we're doing, but, but in terms of the business um, side of things, we have worked really hard as a museum and as a nonprofit organization to diversify our income streams. That's something that any healthy organization should do. Don't rely, don't have just one client, don't have just one um, source of revenue. And really this time, all of those sources were impacted all at once. Um, for example, we use our chapel to rent out for weddings. So all of a sudden we can't do weddings. So there's one revenue stream. There's, um, we don't, admission here is free. So we didn't lose the admission revenue, but we do get donations as people come through. We have a, a museum shop. So all of those revenue streams um, came to a, a screeching halt just as they did for every business and, and really every other nonprofit. So we really, we really felt that. But one of the things we have continued to do um, through this time is to make sure that we're showing value to the community. So, um, for example, we've really stepped up our social media, sharing interesting photos, interesting articles. Um, we have been working on getting all of the, the boardwalk talks that I mentioned. We've been getting those online. So those are all available on YouTube now. Um, we've been working, continuing to work on some of these big projects that we've had on the list a long time that now we actually have time and really no excuse not to do them. But, um, to me, I think the most interesting thing that we're doing is gathering the history as it's happening. Um, so that is, you know, when you look back, a lot of comparisons have been made to the Spanish flu epidemic and right. we have letters and photos and, um, and firsthand accounts of how that impacted the community. It's an, it's very important to do that. And it's a lot easier to do it as it's happening versus trying to go back, especially with a lot of our responses to the current pandemic are digital and, you right. know, Facebook and uh, websites are dynamic. So if you don't print things as, as you <laughs> see them, you know, they may be lost. So we've really been trying to keep track of, um, physical items, uh, photos, some of the things that we've been looking for are, you know, closed beaches. You never see a completely empty beach. Um, out that was here. really it, bizarre. <laughs> it, it was, it was surreal, wasn't it? Um, so I have a friend with a drone and he did some um, video and still photography of the empty. I mean, even when there's a hurricane coming, there's still people out there on the beach. There's still that guy out kiteboarding. <laughs> there's always that one kiteboarder. Yeah. I don't know how it's, his arms aren't getting ripped off, but, um, and you know, even the, uh, as silly as it may seem, um, the to go, the to go drinks at restaurants, right. when have we ever had a time where you could walk out of a restaurant holding a jug of, of margarita? I yeah. mean, this is, We've all turned not, into New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, don't now. You're not allowed to open it until you get home. Okay. <laughs> That's the official response. So, um, and then kind of tying in with my um, city council hat on, uh, the city attorney of Jacksonville Beach is, and this sounds 
super geeky, but at some point it's going to come in handy to a researcher. He's compiling all of the executive orders. So mm-hmm. all of the executive orders that have come out from the governor, from the city of Jacksonville and city of Jacksonville Beach, he's got a binder put together. And let me tell you, he's had a crash course in interpreting executive orders. And they've not been as quick now, but there was a time where they were they were coming fast and furious. Mm-hmm. So he's been collecting those all along. Um, the signs that um, Sam Veal's organization made to put out at the beach about six foot social distancing. Mm-hmm. All, all things like that, that we're, we're, ga- we're relying on people to help us gather them, of course, but it's been really, really interesting. I mean, just the, um, the, the flack that we caught at the beaches when we opened the beaches, right. you know, there was hashtag Florida morons. And we <laughs> and then they all, use pictures you know, of California beaches. I can't exactly. <laughs> like you think about that and, you know, that seems like so long ago and the beaches are back to normal, but right. we've captured that. So now, you know, in 50 years from now, when a historian is going back through that file, they're going right. to see that and know um, what the response was to, to these actions that we've taken here locally. So I didn't want to talk too much about city politics and such. That's not the purpose of this. Um, that's I'm going to save that for you for another podcast <laughs> down the road, because I know there are things in the works. But I did want to talk to you about as it relates to COVID-19. Uh, one of the things that did come out of Jacksonville Beach was a moratorium on uh, on construction once a building was enclosed. And how did that work out? Is that still in place? And what kind of feedback or blowback did you get from that executive order? You know, one uh, one interesting thing about being under uh, emergency declaration is that the mayor and the city manager really take on a lot more responsibility. And the city council is, uh, and I don't want, left out is not the right word, but we're we're not involved in the, those conversations with regards to the crisis at hand. And at first, you know, the first storm or hurricane that you go through as an elected official, you, oh, it's not fair. How come I'm not hearing what's going on? How come I'm not at the table? But then you realize that quick decisions have to be made. And if more than one of us is at the table, then you have to fall under sunshine laws. Right. So you have to publicly notice a meeting, you have to have public access, etc. So in you know, there's the downside in that I'm not at the table for those discussions, but the upside is that I'm not at the table for those (laughs) discussions. So um, we can, it helps because then you can have specifically specific information that's not clouded by the interpretations of six other council members. So when, when that came up, um, it, it really, I think the one everybody was concerned about was Whole Foods because we've just been waiting so long for Whole Foods to come online. Um, and they were working on their interior build out at that time. So they were in a closed site. So um, as far as I know, that construction did stop. Um, I don't know if it has restarted again, though. That part, I, I couldn't tell you um, tell you right now where that falls um, it, under the restarting. Let's go back to the museum a little bit and talk about sure. your plans for reopening. Um, have you been, first of all, given any indication when you might be able to reopen the museum? Are you so under like phase are, two or what are, where are you? No, actually we're in phase one and um, museums and libraries can open at 25% capacity. Okay. Um, I will tell you our capacity is 140 people. So I think um, we could have 35 
people here at a time, if I'm doing my math correctly, mm -hmm. that would be a huge day for us. So I would say um, that that's, that's not realistic at this time. <laughs> right. So what we're doing, and we are um, taking advantage of, you know, we're members of several different organizations. Um, the Cultural Council is one that we're relying on to kind of bring together the other cultural organizations in Jacksonville to share information, but we're also part of the American um, Association of State and Local History, uh, Southeastern Museum Conference, and all, all of those guys are doing uh, informational webinars, Zooms, all of that to um, right. help guide us on how to safely reopen. But as of right now, it's not just that we can reopen, but are people comfortable coming back out to things like sure. museums? Um, I think that, you know, restaurants are a different story when you're going out, you know, everybody needs to eat. Um, and there's a lot of employees that are going to be positively impacted by reopening. At this point for us, we want to make sure that our staff, our volunteers and our guests um, feel safe and comfortable and that we're ready for that. Um, so what we're doing is putting together a plan and we are putting our own phased plan together. And the first phase is going to be encouraging people to come out to the park. That's okay. an open area that, um, even though we do have signs at each of our buildings, we're also working on an app that people can download and it'll give them a very descriptive walking tour of the history park. So we do want people to, um, come out and enjoy that first. Um, that does, we wouldn't have any of the buildings open, but people would be able to access that information. And then we'll start stepping into uh, opening the museum building um, in a gradual process. And then we'll start looking again at special events. Um, you know, right now those special events specifically wouldn't be allowed under phase one. Um, but so we'll be looking at that as in our, in our phase phase three. So, um, so we do want to be smart. We want to be safe. Um, we want everyone to feel comfortable with, with coming back into the museum before we, before we pull that trigger. And that would include the chapel concert series and things of that nature. The chapel concert series, we've had great luck with, um, you know, when, when all of this was happening, it was right in the middle of our busy spring season. And we were able to postpone two of the three um, chapel concerts that have been happening during this time. So we still have two artists out there that are ready for us to reschedule. Um, but that's going to be again, when we have a time where um, we can make sure it's safe and appropriate um, for our audience. And we're going to do some surveys. We're starting to see a lot of organizations survey um, their audiences for their comfort level. So we will do that first with our, our regular museum visitors and members. And then as we start to uh, reopen, we'll do that with our concert, especially our season ticket holders. They're always reliable to give us their, their straight opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and they'll, you know, again, our audience, um, we want to make sure to listen to them and make sure if we do it, that, that they're going to come. Let's shift gears for just a little bit, Chris, because you've also gotten involved in something called Beaches 2.0. And I know it's it's largely a, a Facebook presence right now, but explain to me a little bit what is Beaches 2.0. So as things were closing down and um, you could already feel just the hurt of the small businesses that were closing down. And I know several small business owners and I know that they've put 
you know, in many cases, their their life savings is hanging in the balance uh, for this small business. And I just really started thinking about the risk that they take to do something, to provide something that they love. I mean, they have to love what they do because they're putting their entire life into it. And as we were seeing them have to shut down and really, you know, lay off staff that were family to them, um, it just, it inspired me to think about how can we help support them when it is time to reopen. So I reached out to Holly Smith-Hale um, at Hen House uh, Marketing, and I knew that she was not only a um, Beaches resident small business owner, but that she's worked with a lot of our mostly restaurants in town. So we started um, just kind of over a month or so cooking up a little um, a little campaign called Beaches 2.0. And the idea was that when we could start to reopen, that we'd have one place for Beaches small businesses to provide their information so we could keep everybody as up to date as possible. So um, the, the Beaches 2.0 came from the idea of, of rebooting. Um, maybe it's an, it's different, right. but maybe it's an upgrade, but we're going to help bring the beaches back online. And I just love that, that, that concept because it is going to be different. There's mm -hmm. going to be businesses that are going to have, they're already, and we're already seeing such um, innovation and ingenuity in our, in our businesses, but they're going to operate differently. And that's going to stay for a long time. Um, if not forever, I think all of us are going to be operating um, differently in our day-to-day -day lives. So we wanted to make sure we had one place. Um, we do have the website. It's beaches2.com. Um, and then of course, a Facebook and Instagram presence where we have we're featuring businesses. We're trying to keep people up to date with uh, with things as they reopen. And then on the website, so bit, small businesses can fill out a form to be included on the website, as well as uh, be a featured business. So um, we we thought about salons, and as they're opening up now, I've reached out to a bunch of friends in in the salon industry, and I don't think they're having any trouble right now filling their appointments. I got my hair cut like, yesterday, and I was never so <laughs> thrilled to sit in the chair and get my hair. I've cut. been waiting. I had two haircuts, hair appointments canceled, and one on I think like the first day that it that things were shutting down, and and then one uh, last week. So I'm giving them a little bit of space because I think they're gonna they're their phones are ringing off the hook now, but um, hopefully that will um, help people see in one spot who's open, who should I go to, and also recognize the importance of supporting our small businesses because one of the first things I did even with the museum was I made a list of all of the local businesses that had given um, gift certificates or products mm -hmm. to our silent auction for our gala. And I who's open, who's doing what. And I made a Facebook post about it as, from the museum side. And I think that's probably where I got the idea that we should do that on a bigger scale. Um, but they are, that's who's giving, that's who's supporting the museums of our community, the, the little leagues of our community and right. everything that we do. Um, they live here, they work here, they support the residents here through their um, goods and services. And it's really important to have an opportunity to support them back, especially right now. And I, I did see something, and I think it was probably on Facebook, said, remember all those businesses that you asked for yeah. a donation for your silent auction? Remember them now. Oh, it's it's so true. And that was my list of, you know, Takeout Tuesday and things like that. I'm going right. to go and support the restaurants that supported us. And 
And it's, it's the right thing to do. And it's the good thing to do. And I hope that people in our community will remember that as they're able to um, support a small business, a small business, whatever. And we don't just focus on restaurants. We do have shops and salons and and service businesses too. So um, there's a lot of efforts with regards to restaurants, but we wanted to include everybody and and we have the entire um, beaches area included in that as well. What kind of feedback are you getting from those businesses, particularly maybe one or two who have been featured on beaches 2.0? Have they, have they seen some kind of return on that investment, even though the investment is small? I was, you know, yeah, there's no investment. It's completely free. And it's also not, there's no uh, industry or company that is, you know, even though Holly is with Hen House, she's not, you know, where it's a, it's a neutral business or a neutral uh, campaign. So um, that's why we're just trying to support everybody as much as we can. But um, I, I wish I could take credit for this, but Liz Stewart did message me uh, just before Mother's Day and said, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) They they were thankfully um, inundated with orders for flowers and delivery. And we had featured them, I think it was either Thursday or Friday. And um, so while I would love to be able to take credit for that, I I think we maybe are only partially... uh, partially there to blame, but, um, it was great news for Liz, um, another wonderful small business that we have in our community. And then of course we featured Taco Lou on Cinco de Mayo. So, um, maybe we should actually not think about not feature somebody that's part of that day, but feature mm-hmm. somebody else, you know, a non-Mexican restaurant on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> they, they probably need it more than the Mexican restaurants did. Yeah, you might. Um, but. but so, yeah. So while I don't think we can take credit for that, uh, they, they are coincidental, but those are an example. And, and it's great to see, you know, lines out. I think they had to shut off either beach Boulevard or the traffic into Taco Lou on that day. So it was, it's, it's, they're all having to learn to adapt and, and bring on the staff and train them in these new ways. So I I think everybody should have some patience and, and give everybody a little, a little bit of grace um, during this time. But I've been really impressed to see the difference in online ordering and uh, curbside pickup and things like that. And and I, I haven't read the specifics, but I do know the city of Jacksonville just relaxed their outdoor dining right. um, <clears throat> rules. And I'm a huge proponent of, of outdoor dining. I mean, especially with this amazing weather that we've had. So I do hope that there's some things that may stick. Um, and that's one of them. Cause I think um, taking advantage of the outdoors in a beautiful place like this, where we live is sure. a great idea. And I know, I know that was on their agenda yesterday. I hadn't heard whether or not it had passed, but um, yeah, I, I, saw I can't imagine they wouldn't. Happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at least in, te- in a temporary state, but sometimes, you know, there's always innovations that come out of, out of crises like this. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I certainly think, using zoom <laughs> absolutely more regularly and telemedicine things like that but hopefully we'll see some of these great innovations in our in our small businesses stick around so do you feel like as a as a small business person yourself and as we've established as in a nonprofit business but do you see fundamental changes in the way business is done. We've always been a handshake society and Dr. Fauci keeps telling us that we're never going to shake hands again. I personally don't believe that, but I guess we'll see going forward. Do you see fundamental changes in the way business is done here at the beach and across the country? 
Um, I absolutely, I don't see how we wouldn't have fundamental changes and not only just in, in the, the public health realm. Um, I think we are probably all going to be um, more cautious about our exposure just in general, even once this passes. Um, and how everybody handles that, I think, is going to be uh, up to them. But I think as a culture, I think we will probably be less um, touchy-feely, instinctively, <laughs> yeah, sticking our hands out. Um, and probably just because we've gone so long now without doing it. Right. Um, but I also think that uh, companies are going to be more relaxed about um, employees working from home mm -hmm. um, if they don't have to physically be on site. And again, not necessarily for any health reason, but why why do we need to make them come into the office sure. uh, if they can easily do their job from home? So I think we're going to see probably some changes in in commercial real estate, maybe not as much at the beach as in big cities, but mm -hmm. I think that's going to help commuting and uh, traffic and, and things like that. I mean, even here at the beach, the traffic's been non-existent. Right. Um, I mean, it's starting to creep back up now, but it's been, been nice. <laughs> I've been riding my bike. I mean, I just, um, hey, you know, me and bicycles, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> mine's, mine's a beach cruiser though. It's nothing fancy, <laughs> but I do think, you know, even, even to bring it back to the museum, my staff um, have been working remotely and we do a weekly zoom and half of it is just catching up and, and um, you know, just, just personal and just mm -hmm. chatting and laughing and, and things like that. And we've got a Slack um, conversation going as well on a variety of different topics. So we're still being very productive, uh, even though we're working remotely. So, so leaning in on some of those types of resources, I, I could foresee us continuing on Slack, uh, even right. though, uh, even when we're all in the same building, you know, I'll, I've been known to just yell out, my office door to whoever might hear me, but if I can just type a message in and, and, um, in an instant messenger type of thing. So, you know, shared work documents, things like that, you can do that all, all on, you know, Slack is what we use, but I know there's a lot of other, of other programs for that. Sure. Google drive has been around forever for sharing documents yeah. and files and things of that mm -hmm. nature. And I do a lot of that with, with clients as well. Um, as a, as a executive director, as a, as a, person at the top of an organization, do you have concerns about even your few employees being productive enough, working remotely, working from home, that you might think that that would be something they could continue to do in the post-COVID era? Um, and it's definitely something I've thought about. One, one of the reasons um, we do require some degree of staff presence here, just when we're open sure. to the public. Um, so there will always be some level of, of staff on site to manage that. But, but I definitely, and I've always been, you know, I think I'm in that age, age range of, um, you know, I don't have a problem with people working from home mm -hmm. as long as again, that there's a communication expectation, um, and that there's, you know, deliverables and that things yeah. are being accomplished. But, um, you know, our operations manager, that really can't be done from home. If, no. if we're open, you know, she needs to sure. to be here. But for our archivist and for the person who's doing our, our marketing and social media, there's an, the person who does our, our um, marketing and education has four kids in Duval County Public Schools. Wow. So there was no question that um, she needs to be at home. Even uh, her husband also works from home, but there's four kids. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> doing remote learning. So it's right. all hands on deck and she's just been doing an incredible job with our social media. So, um, so, you know, the proof is in the pudding and every organization is going to be different, but I'm, I'm definitely um, impressed and proud of how our staff has really learned to, to work a little differently during this. And that was one I of the things, have, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I've been coming into the office, um, regularly, but it's mostly to get away from my fridge. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, trying to stay away from the COVID, the COVID-15. Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to go out and hit the bike here in just five, five, five <laughs> exactly. Uh, but but what you were talking about was something that that Mayor Curry had talked about as he took off the work at home order was that he hoped that people who did, for instance, have kids that were still in school, that they're having to homeschool and and educate remotely would be able to that their businesses would let them stay at home and continue because they have no options for school or child care or anything of that nature. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, again, for me, I live very close to the museum. Actually, four out of our five staff live in Jacksonville Beach and Neptune Beach. So everybody's pretty close. We can kind of come run in when we need to grab something. Um, The person who lives further afield has remote access to her computer. So she's, man, she's stayed very productive. But I also think that there's a, um, we have a seasoned staff right now. Um, We've had, you know, different iterations of staff over the years. And I think we, and two of my staff started in January. So, so they had been here for two months when this started. So I've been, I mean, again, just, just really pleased and proud. Um, And we will, we'll start walking back into a plan to get staff back as needed. But at this point, it's been, I've been really impressed with um, how well they've been able to keep not just keep the plate spinning, but we've tackled some big projects that have been on our list for a long time. So I, and, and they've all been related to getting our content out to the community. So they've served a a double purpose purpose for us, but I, you know, and I, like we talked about the very beginning, kind of how it's, how's it going? And it's, it changes every day, but I'll tell you the best days I have are when I turn off social media and just, (laughs) yeah just go with what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and what I'm experiencing and the positives of what I'm, you know, I just had my board meeting last night. We did a zoom. It's just such a wonderful group of people. The, the people that I encounter as I, you know, go grab it, take out somewhere, our employees there. It's just, you know, I think, I think we are seeing a lot of the best of people right now. And I think that everyone's going to go through their hard times. Um, and again, to go back to, we just have to give people a little, a little grace as they get through that. Um, but I've just been, as long as I stay off social media, it's been really nice to see how people are uh, interacting with each other and responding to each other. So there's the takeaway, <laughs> stay off social, social media yeah. and stay away it, from it, the fridge. <laughs> it makes it makes a huge, yeah, <laughs> it makes a huge, huge difference. Not that I'm off completely, but I do I do try to limit it for my own my own mental health. Well, Chris, thanks very much. It's been very informative, and I wish you good luck getting the museum back open and looking forward to coming back and seeing what is going to be your next exhibit. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tom. We'll be posting new podcasts each Monday and Thursday, and if you would like to be a part of this podcast, drop me an email. I'm tcpatton813 at gmail.com. This podcast is supported in part by listeners like you. Visit the homepage on anchor.fm 
to learn how you can support the program. You can also find previous podcasts at the anchor.fm homepage. For now, and especially now, remember to find the opportunity in every challenge. I'm Tom Patton.